I've had this conversation with more parents than I can count, and, and it breaks my heart every single time when a parent or a grandparent tells me that they have a prodigal in their life. I want to remind them that you must not waver from the way that you should go. Because it's in those moments that we compromise on our own faith. What ought to be hope is turned to anxiety. What ought to be confidence in the grounding of Scripture turns to doubts. Today on the Songtime Broadcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about prodigals. Do you have a prodigal in your life? A child, a grandchild, someone who has walked away from the faith? We'll continue our study of Proverbs a day in May as we look at this great promise and ask, is it even true? Can we train up a child in the way that they should go even when they're old so that they won't depart from it? Stay tuned for that. But first, a panel discussion with our recent guest from the Definitions Conference. The many voices are coming together for that one message I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. At our recent Definitions Conference right here on Cape Cod, we talked about how to train up a child in the way they should go. Our keynote speakers were Dr. James Manganello, a Christian psychologist here on Cape Cod, as well as a Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife, Margie, who's written a great book, by the way, called It's Not Too Late, Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. At the end of our conference, we had a great panel discussion, and many of our guests had questions, more questions than we had time to answer, and many of them centered on this particular subject that we'll hear about today, on what to do for adult children, those who have walked away from the faith, prodigals, so to speak. I fielded those questions and repeated them to our guests. So here is a snippet to that panel discussion at a recent Definitions Conference, Train Up a Child. Yeah, this is, I think, a growing concern in our culture today, so to repeat the question, so uh, this is perfect for you, Margie. <laughs> it's, it's not too late, let me just say that. Um, the question is, for kids that are out of the home, under, out from under the jurisdiction of the parents, and they've chosen a lifestyle that, is, that they know that the parents do not acknowledge is, is morally right. Now they're coming home for Thanksgiving. They might even bring their partner home for Thanksgiving. So what do you do as a parent? How do you show them unconditional love, show them grace, but also let them understand that you have not compromised on your values? It's, well, that's a very complicated question, and really, in many ways, the details of it would need uh, personal conversation. But let me just make some general observations. You used the term unconditional love, and I believe that has to be our attitude of heart. If someone moved in next door to you and you wanted to be, uh, you wanted to be a missionary, uh, and they were. Uh, not living in an appropriate arrangement, you would not shun them. Uh, in fact, you might invite them to your home for dinner. And so I think we have to, th it's, it's difficult when it's personal. Like our brother said, when something's personal, it's very hard. We take it personally. We, we're offended by it. And we, we feel that if we, if, we, uh, if we extend unconditional love, that we're going to uh, they're going to think, we think this is okay. And I always think of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, because he did something amazing. He said the law keepers were a brood of vipers and he went and ate with the publicans and sinners. Why did he do that? He, he, had, uh, he had a motive. It was unconditional love and he had an agenda 
It was the gospel. And I think with our children, even though it's painful and difficult, we need to extend unconditional love. It, they know what we stand for. We don't have to have a placard when they walk in the door. We believe that you're living in sin. <laughs> we, they know what we stand for. We want to be like Christ. We want to extend unconditional love so that we have the right to speak, so that as we have opportunity and we make opportunity graciously, lovingly, with sensitivity, but we make opportunity to uh, speak into their lives. We will, we will be able to do that if they are assured, I love you and I'm committed to you no matter what. No one loves you like I do. Uh, because that's what Christ has done for us. No, that's very true. Um, you, you have to set the standard of what your standards are so that they're able to rise to where, they, where you are so that they can understand that. Our kids understood that very clearly, and it wasn't something that they attempted to break, you know, try to sneak around, those kind of things. It was very clearly established. Friends come or girlfriend, boyfriend comes, separate rooms, that's the way it goes. The other thing I just want to respond to, many times a parent like yourself with older ones, and you see them making decisions that are not according to where you brought them up in, the key thing is people come to me and say, where did I go wrong? I was not good at what I did. I was, a, I was not a good parent. Obviously, I'm did something wrong. And that's self-guilt that you put on yourself. And it's not necessary because you don't have control over them when they're outside your house. But when they come in your house, that's where the standard rests. And that's when you can embrace them accordingly. Yeah, Ted, I wanted to ask you specifically because I think in our culture today, we've redefined love as doing, do, letting me do whatever I want and loving me the way I am and respecting my choices and, and really, and really um, approving of my choices. But that's not a biblical definition of love, and that's not the love we're supposed to have for our Nor children. Nor is it a freedom. No. <laughs> yeah, I, <clears throat> I think you put that well, Adam. I think that uh, we, we can love somebody and... and uh, still disagree with their lifestyle choices. And we can make that clear without being unkind or ungracious and still, as Margaret said, being very hospitable and loving, doing anything we can do legitimately to help them. Um, I, I think maybe some of you have heard the story of uh, Rosario Butterfield and her book, The Un Unexpected Con Convert or whatever, yeah, but she, you know, she was a, a, a women's studies uh, person at I think the University of Rochester, uh, living in a committed uh, gay relationship. And uh, she wrote a letter to the newspaper about how Christians had uh, spoken derisively of gay people. And this pastor and his wife, Ken Smith and his wife, they sent her a letter and welcomed her to come and visit with them, have a meal with them. And over the course of years, they loved that woman to Christ. And she's now married with children and uh, in a heterosexual marriage and has uh, completely abandoned that lifestyle. But it, she was won by a 
gracious people who offered hospitality and love in Christ's name without compromising their standards, as James just said. So I think that that's the dance. It's hard to do sometimes, and we might make mistakes sometimes, uh, but that unconditional love is so important because that's the way Christ has loved us. If Christ only loved those who are worthy, none of us would be loved. But he loves the unworthy. And in fact, it's interesting in that uh, Luke 6 passage, he says, you should be kind to people who are unkind to you and so forth. And he says, uh, then you'll be like Christ who loves the unrighteous and the ungodly. And I think, that's me. Mm -hmm. I've been loved by Christ. So I'm in that category of the unrighteous and the ungodly because those are the ones that he has loved. And uh, I think that's, uh, we want to show that kind of unconditional love. And I appreciate James' words that we don't change our standards. And the fact that your children have grown up and made choices that are different than the choices you would have wanted for them does not mean you've failed. It, you know, there's, uh, they are responding to God. And you know, I talk about that in the book, Shepherding. You know, there's this Godward orientation of the heart. You can do the best job of parenting possible and have children turn away from it because they're not automatons. They're choosing, thinking, worshiping people who are deciding to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. And that's not my fault. So I don't have to own that as this is my failure. I can pray for them and even though I may know I failed, of course I failed. I'm a, I'm a flawed parent. Uh, I always, Margie and I always say that uh, we have three children that are from a dysfunctional home. Uh, you know, we, we're all flawed parents, but uh, uh, you know, th they make choices that are their choices. And uh, th I can leave that with God. We've been listening to a segment from our recent Definitions Conference with Dr. James Manganello, a Christian psychologist here on Cape Cod, as well as Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife Margie, who has written a book called It's Not Too Late. You can find out more information about the conference by heading over to our website at songtime.com, and you can actually get a copy of Margie's book, It's Not Too Late, Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. When you send in a donation of any amount, request a copy of this book, and we'll send you that as a great resource to encourage you and to help you. To find out more information, give us a call, 508-362-7070, or write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Well, today we're continuing in the same theme. We're going to be talking a little bit more about prodigals. What do we do when the proverb of this whole theme of this proverb day in May, Proverbs 22, 6, says to train up a child in the way they should go, even when they're old, they won't depart from it. Well, what happens when our children do depart from the truth, when they walk away from the faith, when we've trained them diligently, but then they turn their back on God? In this message, one of my own, we'll be exploring that as we break down what I think is the most crucial, important lesson from Proverbs 22, 6. Even when he is old, it says, he will not depart from it. What a promise. What a astounding promise. That if you do everything right with your children, if you train them up in the way that they should go, and you teach them diligently, when they're old, they won't depart from it. They will stay in the faith. 
Well, I've got to give you a little bit of a, a key to understanding the book of Proverbs. It's not dealing in absolutes. It's not dealing in the sense that if you did everything right, you'll always see the same results. It's teaching general principles, and that's what wisdom is, is being able to nuance and understand the difference between a, a concrete truth and an abstract truth. But what this proverb is teaching us is true in all of its ways, because it's telling us that God is faithful, first and foremost, to keep us and to keep our children. There's a trend in, in, in our culture and our society today is, has seen that uh, upwards of 75% of, of children who are raised in a Christian home or raised in the church will, will go on to walk away from the faith. In fact, it's actually been uh, popularized with famous Christian musicians and even pastors starting to come out and uh, uh, deconstruct their faith walking away from the church, having spent years studying this book and years serving in ministry. This fascination with what the Bible calls prodigals, those who walk away from the faith, is, is frightening, especially when you're raising children in this environment or you have grandchildren in this environment and you want them to stay and you want to hold on to them as best as you can. Because you don't want them to stray into the world that would offer them a false message of hope. A hope in a world that is temporal, that is passing away. I've had this conversation with more parents than I can count, and, and it breaks my heart every single time when a parent or a grandparent tells me that they have a prodigal in their life. I have prodigals in my life. It's heartbreaking to have someone you love who's been given all of the opportunities to, to make the best of their life, walk away and choose their own path and to watch from a distance as their life is systematically destroyed. But whenever I've had this conversation with a parent or a grandparent, I want to remind them that you must not waver from the way that you should go. Because it's in those moments, in fact, that when we see those, one, those that we love and we care for, that we compromise on our own faith. What ought to be hope is turned to anxiety. What ought to be confidence in the grounding of Scripture turns to doubts. As they begin to ask questions and, and show even in their posture that they have lost the way in which they themselves should go. I always tell parents, you must hold to the truths of God's word more firmly in your storm. What can we expect for children who are looking at us when we are wavering and being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? We must hold to our certainty of our faith. And this is the truth for every parent with a prodigal, every grandparent with a prodigal. God loves your child more than you could ever love your child. That is true. You think that's impossible. You need faith. You need faith. We waver not because... Uh, 
the, the gospel has lost its potency or power. But we waver because we have taken our eyes off of our hope. We're all children. Not every one of us has my story. Not everyone else grew up in a church. Not everyone had a pastor as a dad. Not everyone had this sort of training and tutelage from childhood. We all come into this faith as children. Every single one of us. We're called children of God. And we are given a new father. We learn so much from our earthly fathers, our earthly parents, from their influence or from their lack of influence. But now we are given a new family. We are made children of God, joint heirs with Christ. We have a brother who is the perfect example in which we can follow. And he loves God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. He walks in the way which he should go. And he walks in the way that we should go. So when Jesus says, take up your cross, come and follow me, we have our example on how we ought to live in a manner that is pleasing to our Father. This book, the book of Proverbs, gives us wisdom, but most importantly, this book points us to Christ, who did everything right. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life. He walked in the manner in which he should go, and when he faced his death, he did not waver. And because he did not waver from his path, from his destiny, which was the cross, we are given our hope and our call to obedience. Let me encourage and challenge you. This verse is not simply a parenting tool. This verse is a reminder of the gospel, a promise that when we are obedient to love God and to go the way in which we should go, to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, He who is faithful will bring us through the years, and He will not let us go. He will not depart from you. This is what we ought to cling to. These are the things that matter in those twilight years. These are those truths that matter right here and now. And these are the truths that we want to pass on to the children in this church and the children in our community. And what is motivating us to take the call and the commission to sacrifice our own selves for the sake of those who come behind us. Today's proverb of the day in May is Proverbs chapter 27. And I have to admit that there are far too many options for today to just choose one. But I think this is a great way for us to encourage you to get into the book of Proverbs, to follow along with this reading plan, and to get active at, at hiding God's word in your heart. So let's look at a few of them today. How about verse 1? Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Look at the ties to the Sermon on the Mount worrying about tomorrow. 
but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So why focus on the problems instead of uh, dealing with the con- uh, the current situation that you're in? Or how about this verse, uh, verse 6? Uh, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What a true statement, but so hard for us to actually swallow. It's difficult to accept rebuke from someone that that knows us and loves us. Uh, We'd rather have enemies speaking the things that we want to hear in our ears, a reminder that especially for pastors to say the things that are needed to be said as opposed to the things that you know your congregation wants to hear. Or maybe this verse, Proverbs 27, 14, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Ooh, there you go. That's a verse for any one of you who has a, a someone that, that just is so loud in the morning and you're trying to sleep in, this verse is for you, but don't use it inappropriately. That's all I can say. A lot of really great verses in this proverb. How about this? Verse 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This is such the crucial component of discipleship. As we saw with the friend, we need that heat. We need that that painful process of, of iron rubbing against iron that produces sparks. It produces pain. It produces heat. But that is what discipleship really means, is going through that entire process. Why are we doing this series? Why are we doing a Proverb Day in May? Because we want to encourage you to get into the Word of God. Maybe you've you felt like you've tried to do a daily devotion, but you lost track. It didn't maintain. It didn't work. And you kind of gave up on it. The, the beautiful thing about a proverb a day in May is that uh, you don't have to worry about catching up where you might have failed, where you might have missed a few days. Just pick up right where you left off. And then try to hold on to just one nugget, one verse that you can meditate on throughout the day and see how far you can get in the day as you're processing it. And then consider an opportunity to share that verse with someone in your life, to share what you've been thinking and processing and meditating on. And that is the three-part process of daily devotions, reading it in the morning, thinking about it all day long, meditating on it, and then that third level of real maturity where you're able to actually articulate that to somebody else all three of these levels. And that's why I think that a proverb a day in May is such a great opportunity to get started. If you've never been one to do a daily devotion, this is a great resource. So read today's proverb. Read Proverbs chapter 27 and let us know what your favorite proverb of the day was for today. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508 362 7070. That's 508 362 7070. You can also head over to your website, our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it.